0: An ironic media production, visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K-media.com.
1: All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together.
0: And so as we move into 2027, we're going to be experiencing the dawning of The cross of the sleeping phoenix, except it's not going to be sleeping anymore. The phoenix is going to wake up in 2027. And the implications of this is that our background frequency for a planet are going to shift into individual survival, meaning that doing things our way in the way that satisfies us as unique individuals, individual spiritual awareness, which means we're going to have a huge shift in our capacity to connect to the truth that we're all one consciousness experiencing itself through different filters. And there is also a keynote of breaking down barriers to cooperation, breaking down barriers to intimacy, breaking down barriers as a general theme that's going to allow us to reorganize how we do everything on this planet. It's going to be a lot more about small pods and clans of like-minded people working together to maintain their individual survival.
1: Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today in the podcast, I have Dylan Varenhorst, and he is going to tell us all things human design. Many of you have heard me talk about human design and what my human design is. I've briefly mentioned a couple of things, but it was pretty life-changing to hear somebody talk to me who I've never met and say so many things that were so relevant to who I am, how I operate, why I do the things that I do, and why even I have a podcast, which is pretty incredible that it's all looped into human design. So we're going to talk about human design and also about his journey to finding human design and why it's so important that everybody know their human design. So Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Amy.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I know that you totally crashed and burned around 20 with the whole, like, you should do this, you should do that. mentality. What did that look like for you?
0: That looked like me being a really smart kid and having a lot of expectations put on me by my family to be the one that did everything that nobody else did and go through the traditional college track and just be that superstar that as a kid, my grandpa used to always tell me, you're going to be the one that comes up with the alternative fuel source. So we don't (laughs) have to rely on gas anymore. And I was like, Okay, I'll I'll do my best. And then at around two years into the college experience, I was just like, my soul is dying, and I've never felt that before. And I remember I was at a bus stop and I was just so drained that I was like laying in the grass. It was I couldn't even like sit up, commuting back and forth. And I was like, I can't do this. I, I cannot do this anymore. And it's like the universe heard me in that very honest call. And Just through happenstance of stalking other people's Facebook profiles and just seeing pictures, I saw this guy hiking in this lush jungle environment. And when I saw this photo, I was like, whoa, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to be doing with my life. And so through conversing with friends at my job and just kind of, I was really taken by this image. I kind of pieced it together that this was Hawaii. This was Big Island of Hawaii. And people gave me resources. And I found this thing called Woofing, which is Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Oh, and so, cool. Yeah. And so I set up a couple farm stay experiences in Hawaii and just kind of booked a one-way ticket and was like, okay, here we go. And within a month of doing the whole farm thing, life had other plans. And I was just kind of taken one response at a time. And we'll get into that, how that's part of my design and your design, one response at a time, I was just led on a journey of self-discovery. And I really met who I really am through that journey and how I really go through my process, how I really find alignment and what was really possible for me. And it just completely, that was the beginning of my spiritual journey that I never even knew that there was one of those possible before that. And it just opened my eyes. And so a year into that, I took another leap of faith and I flew out to Kauai. I used the last of my money to just get on a plane and go to Kauai because people kept saying, oh, well, you made it this far. You might as well go to Kauai. I'm Hmm. like, well, it sounds like I better go. And there I had my experience with my first experience with human design, where randomly talking to a stranger on a beach. And he was like, I've got this friend that does this thing called human design. I'm not that into it, but I feel like you would be and i was connected to another person i went i was taken to this really unique like it was like these tiki huts in a big grass clearing and then you go inside the tiki hut and it's full of like screens and technology like the control room in the matrix it was like such an what? interesting position and he pulls up my chart and i see my chart for the first time not knowing any of the meanings that go behind it but there was this instant recognition of that's me I don't know what this is, but that is me. And I felt it in my cells that this was correct. And so that's where the journey began. And the rest is history.
1: Wow. So I can agree with that as well. Like, I didn't say that's me when I saw that weird ass chart, because it does look really crazy weird. But when you were talking to me, I'm like, like, dumbfounded. I've, cause I've done a, I've had a long spiritual journey. I've been doing this for 16 years. I've tried a lot of different things and I just felt like, wow, this is really cool. The only other test that I would think that really kind of got me was also this branding exercise uh, years ago that I did that called me a catalyst, which I totally agreed with. And there was like a subcategory that was also correct. It's so weird because human design actually also finds those things that are like, you think wouldn't, be making it onto a chart or like the fact that I take these opposing concepts and then bring them together. And then you called it mating, which it really is. It's like you're creating something new from these two concepts. I didn't think that would be a part of my design, but it is. And then this whole like trial and error is part of my design. So by the way, I'm just to to remind the listener, I'm an emotional manifesting generator. So one of the ways in which I tick is like, I like to do things through trial and error. Like I want to know how things work, why they work. And then there's this other part of me that says, okay, now how do I improve that? So I, that's why I love biohacking. That's why I love helping people to become empowered, like looking at their situation. How, how can we make it better? Or even myself, how do I make myself better? So this whole like adaptation experimentation, that's all part of me. The invention, I was like obsessed with inventing things since the beginning. I studied all the great inventors as a child, which was weird. Weird quote unquote, because like who cares? Like, I I was a female studying all these men who invented these things. I mean, in high school, I wrote a 10 page paper on Thomas Edison, and then even just client dynamics, like you were able to pick up on that. So it's so interesting how this could be in there. So, why don't you share with us, first of all, where did human design come from? Because I feel like it's like some alien technology that was like dropped here that was like for those that are ready for it. Am I right?
0: It's true. Yeah. (laughs) Human design is definitely not for everyone and that's okay. We tend to think of these systems as like, oh, when is it going to take over the world and everyone's going to get it and it's going to go viral or whatever. And it was specifically stated by the originator, by the messenger that brought human design through that this is a system that's designed to work one person at a time. It's designed to spread one person at a time. It's not really a necessarily a collective consciousness thing because it's about mutation and the mutation is can you become the differentiated unique version of yourself and for that to have the right conditions to happen it has to be a very individualized process it can't be generalized it can't be broadcast over these tiktok or whatever in the way that it's intended to really land with true atomic weight so the person that brought human design into the world, his name was Robert Allen Krakauer, and he became known as Ra-Uruhu, because after his mystical experience with what he calls The Voice, he kind of redefined his identity. And so he was somebody that was very successful in the patriarchal-dominated material world. He was an advertising executive, he was a TV producer in Canada, and he had done very well for himself. but he was going through basically a midlife crisis and left that whole life behind to kind of become a hermit on the island of Ibiza. And there he had several experiences with psychedelics that weren't the actual way that human design came through him, but they did prepare him to have the experience that would give us human design. He did a lot of deconditioning of his own through his hermitage and then through one evening, he was coming back to his little shanty shack that he was living in and he saw that the lights were on inside and he thought that he was being robbed. And so he like very cautiously, you know, entered his house and saw that no one was there. And as soon as he stepped into his little cabin, a mystical force took over and he said it was the the most excruciating pain that is imaginable and that this energy just seized his entire brain and nervous system. And the voice said to him, and he said, the voice sounded a lot like a heavy smoker, like a <laughs> woman from New Orleans or something, and said to him, are you ready to work, dog? And for seven <laughs> days and seven nights, he was just like just crazy scribing down all of this information about the design of forms. So the original way that this came through, this technology came through Wasn't just human design. It was the design of plants. It was the design of birds, the design of fish, the design of all forms, even inanimate objects, where we were given the design of inanimate objects at that time. So he went through this seven day crazy bender of cataloging all this information. Then he said, on the seventh night, a huge amount of water drained out of his ears, and suddenly he was back into his normal functioning capacity and when he kind of came to and really understood what had just happened to him he was so shocked and frightened by the whole experience that in that kind of stupor in that daze he actually attempted to destroy a lot of the information that he brought through
1: oh my goodness
0: and so what's kind of ironic about it was that a large chunk of what he channeled was lost And only later, some of his helpers or disciples or whatever you want to call it, actually reconstructed what was left. And that's what the human design system was based out of. And then he spent the next decade kind of testing it and verifying it. Was this actually something that was accurate and true and that could actually have repeatable, verifiable results? Because he was a very practical person. And he saw that it couldn't be beat, that there was actual validity to this system. And so he began his journey of traveling and teaching for the rest of his life.
1: Wow. That's so intense. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. That, that's really nuts. Actually, I've heard of that water coming out of ears when people channel, uh, like after they're done channeling, this massive amount of water leaving the ears is weird. Okay. In order to do human design, you have to know your birthday, your place of birth, and the time you were born. Those three data points, really find all this information, correct?
0: Right. When we look at a human design chart, we're not just looking at that time of birth. We're also kind of cross-referencing a time that goes back 88 degrees of the sun's arc, which is about three months before the time of birth. And that also gives us a rendering of your unconscious imprint. And so human design is showing us that we are a binary consciousness. We have an unconscious design that's our body, our vehicle that lives life and runs our unconscious processes, like our heartbeat and our breathing and our digestion and things like that. And then we have the personality or the passenger, the conscious aspect of us that's here riding in this vehicle, looking at the world through our unique perspective, collecting those data, that data and those experiences, and that can share and commune with others over what we see. So... The cosmic clock that is kind of always ticking with the movement of the planets and the the distribution of these subatomic particles called neutrinos, which actually originate in stars, these are the medium that form the imprints that make us who we are. So Hmm. at your time of birth and at that three months before birth point, neutrinos were flying through Jupiter in a certain placement in the sky and a certain placement in the 64 gates of the I Ching. And then those same neutrinos that flew through Jupiter came into your crystal of consciousness and gave you that kind of minted your design, like you would mint a coin. And it was an imprint and a capturing of all the data that was taking place in the universe in that moment. The thing is that this chart that we look at with human design is usually just the top layer. The more prowess that the practitioner has, they can take you deeper into the layers, but the chart is actually five layers deep. And those, that fifth layer, especially, which we call the base, this is something that's changing quite rapidly. So from one minute to the next, there could be a different placement in your base, which sets up a whole different architecture for your cognition. And that's why birth time is so important, so that we get down to the foundations of your genetic code, who you really are and how you operate.
1: To me, it's just mind-blowing. I still am very scientific in the way that I approach things, even though I'm a psychic medium healer. Like I said, this is the duality that I hold. And I, I just find it mind-blowing that this all is just in there. In fact, actually now as a mom, I'm like, I, I want to do my son's chart so that I can help him become the greatest version of himself, knowing who he really truly is, or at least using it as information, not like pigeonholing him into anything, but just knowing how to really access his potential in a profound way. Wow. I'd like, it's so amazing that there's even four more layers than what we discuss to me, which is also something I'd be interested in knowing further about. But how is human design supposed to help people Get more empowered. Like I get it. Like I see, it's just like I said to Amy on um, the podcast, it felt like I got a healing because when you hear that your idiosyncrasies or whatever, the the you that is you is validated, what's that?
0: It's correct. Yeah. It's
1: correct. It's validated. You're just like, "Oh, I can relax now." Like, I there's no being something else. Like I just need to be as much me as I can be and start embracing these things that I thought once were unique or weird or I don't know. I mean, it is unique, but I don't know. I just I find it really crazy. I have a podcast and you said to me you're like, "You are here to share your wisdom and experiences with others." Like to many. And then also a promise of transformation. Like that's in the podcast name. Like it came to me 12 years ago when I was sitting and meditating and they were like, your business will be called Stark Transformation. I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) Like I would never have come up with it. Right. I even texted my family and I was like, cause they're into into interior decorating. And I was like, you guys missed the boat on this one. And I was like, I'm glad I got it. So to me, it's just so validating. And so how would you suggest that people use human design to maximize who they are and how they are in this
0: world? The cool thing about human design is, yeah, it gives your mind a lot of validation and confirmation about the unique attributes of who you are, but it also gives you a strategy and an inner authority that you can work with in your decision-making in every moment of your life. And that's really where the transformation takes place. Is yeah, it's really fun and and cool to know, but until we can actually take that into the practice and into the real world, into the 3D of our lives, it's just more mind candy, as I like to call it. So, when you get your Human Design read, you're given a strategy and authority that allows you to align your body and your mind. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is when We're operating in this very mentally driven culture, we get really separated from the wisdom of our body. And we look at a human design chart, we're seeing that we're really here to let the body live the life, and to let the unconscious imprint that we have navigate for us, and to let the mind be more of a passenger. And so the strategy and authority is how you uniquely find your truth in decision making and align to a trajectory that takes you into experiences that give you a greater ability to know who you really are. So we can have experiences that are fun and stimulating, and then we have experiences that actually align us on a deep level to how we're here to see, how we're meant to discover our unique truth, our unique perspective, and allow us to share that in a way that has true atomic weight so that it's not just something that we heard and we're regurgitating. You know, we're actually cultivating original thought and pure consciousness. And also by aligning our decision-making process more to our form and our body, we're releasing a lot of the resistance that we face when we kind of try to force life. Because when we're trying to force life, we're usually trying to emulate what we've seen other people do that was successful for them. And that doesn't nourish who we really are on a unique level it actually cuts us off from who we are on a unique level and it mm-hmm. usually degrades our body in some way puts stress in places that it doesn't need to be put and yeah so the human design awakening process is really discovering that there is a life that's custom tailored to you and it's got the perfect timing it's got the correct relationships it has the right energetic alignment to your environment it has the right way for you to properly eat and nourish yourself in a unique way and to bring more of your consciousness through in that sense because there's a big part of human design that shows us that if we don't actually eat correctly for our design we lose out on a lot of the development of our consciousness that's possible so there's many different facets that human design brings in but the reason i love it and i've been such a proponent of it is It's all about what it shows us in practice. It's all about how we walk in our lives. It's also showing us what we're not here to do. And that is a really powerful process of deconditioning, of unbecoming everything that we're not. And having a clear guide or map to show us what's not our job in this life and what we can let go of forever.
1: Mm -hmm. I tell you, when you told me that I don't like to be under pressure, that I'm not meant to be, I was like, Thank you, <laughs> advanced planning or any planning really at all it's very I feel like a fish out of water when I'm doing it. I try very hard and I know that it has to be done at times, but that has also been a bit of struggle for me, and that was in my design, as well as not wanting to be under pressure that i because I'm an emotional manifesting generator, I have to feel like it's good for me before it I do it. If it doesn't feel right, like if my environment or somebody or a situation if it doesn't feel right, I don't do it. And a lot of people c- could think that was very flaky or it was like woo or whatever, but it's like literally how I operate. Like if it doesn't feel right, I don't do it. If I don't, if it doesn't feel right when I put it on or eat it or whatever, I stop doing it. And a lot of people just think that's just inconsistent, but it's not, it's consistently consistent with me.
0: Well, you're definitely not here to be under external pressure. You're somebody that's, that's not your job in this life. It's really for you to set your own pace. And you're also not here to. Promise your energy to the future, which is a big thing that's hard for people to even wrap their head around. Like, how do I go through life without planning or making commitments? And when we look at your design, we see that you don't have definition in your willpower center, which is similar to 60% of the population, which means that you're not here to make promises, which means you can't commit yourself to a time and place in the future and absolutely know that you're going to be there. Because as a generator or manifesting generator, you're here to live in the flow of life. And the flow of life is nonlinear. And so to try and make ourselves show up for these linear times and dates and things of that nature, I mean, we can get come close, but it's really not in our best interest because there's other things that our energy might call in. And as a manifesting generator, you have a magnetic aura. So something that lights you up much more and is actually in much more alignment for you might get pulled into your life in the meantime. And if you have these outstanding commitments, it's a real drag on your energy to try and drag yourself to that time and place when there's Mm -hmm. so much more flow happening over here.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's, it just, it is, it's so empowering and it's so relieving that I can just be me and that I don't have to fit into these boxes and that it's, it's almost like I'm fighting against a code that I've put in my own computer if I were to be fighting it which Absolutely. is going to slow down a computer. Any interesting like things you can tell us about the different types of human design like for people out there who don't really know like there's I know there's several different kinds and then it gets more specific from there. Can you tell us what those are?
0: Yeah. I like to think of it as we're all kind of different specialized cells in the body of the planet. And so the four main types that we have, I guess I should say five, are the 70% majority, which are generators. So these generator cells or generator people are here with a lot of life force energy. They're kind of like the mitochondria. They're literally generating the energy that gives life to the world. They're carriers of the life force of planet Earth on the surface of the Earth. And they're here to build and create. And The thing is, they don't know what their energy is designed for when they come into the world. It's only through responding to the things that truly align to their energy that they get to discover decision by decision, step by step, who they are and what they're designed for. So the generators really hold the most energetic weight of any type. So if the generators are doing well, we're all doing well. And something to understand if you are a generator or manifesting generator, they both kind of fall in the same category because they have the same type of aura, this world, this Maya, this illusion of the 3D is generated through the generators. So it's not just that we're here like building stuff and picking stuff up and putting it down. The whole reality itself is coming through us. So if our energy is in in alignment, then we find that there is more alignment in the world. If our energy is attuned to abundance, then we find there's more miraculous abundance in the world. But if we're, if our energy is being exploited, if our energy is being stolen from us or just forced to do things that it's not designed for, then it kind of messes up the whole energetic architecture of our reality here. So generators hold the biggest sway and there's, they're the most common. So sometimes when people hear that they're a generator, they're kind of disappointed. They're not one of the more specialized types. But the thing is, every generator in their signature in their like most aligned state is in my view an answered prayer from the universe because that generator has an almost unlimited capacity to bring things into the world like they have almost unlimited reserves of energy when it's used to the for the right things so know that it's actually very miraculous to be a generator it's just not as easy to access that truth at first because it's a process you have to go through the development process of building who you are by seeing who you are by seeing what your energy responds to so then there are the projectors which are about 20 percent of the population and projectors are the newest type to come to the planet they've only been here since 1781 and projectors are here to wake up the generators whereas the generators are kind of like the medium of life itself The projectors are the ones that are kind of like floating above it and they're seeing it objectively so they can see the whole game board and they can see all the chess pieces. And from that unique perspective, they're able to know who goes where to plug in a given generator with given skills into the right use of their energy so they can wake up to their true nature. So projectors are here to really activate our truest template. They're here to shine a light on us and guide us to the proper use of our energy. And the thing to remember for projectors is you don't have your own energy, which means that you're not here to work. Projectors are not here to work. They're here to be energetically supported through the people that recognize their gifts and invite them into life for what they can help us achieve. So projectors are more apt to be coordinators, leaders, delegators counselors healers guides than they are to do the heavy lifting of life and that's super important for them because it's very easy for projectors to take on the energy of others they're very open so when they take on that conditioning from that other 70 percent of the generators in the world they can kind of get overwhelmed and start acting like their generators which is the most detrimental thing they could do because they don't have that same regenerative capacity which means that they can get burnt out very easily. And that could even lead to serious health problems like autoimmune and even death because they don't have that life force regeneration capacity. So projectors really need to value their energy at a premium. They need to build in a lot of time and space to themselves. And they need to understand that they're here to guide, but not to do things for people. They're just here to show the way. And when they do that, they can become some of the most successful, recognizable, notable people around. So then we have manifestors, which are 8%. These are kind of like the dinosaurs of the (laughs) whole game because manifestors have kind of completed their journey already. They were here prior to 1781 as the beings that had the ability to act and to not have to wait for anyone else to do things. So they were able to take power at a very early stage in our development as a species. And they ultimately became the ones that were like the kings, the queens, the pharaohs, the ones that were giving orders to everyone else. And to use that impactful aura, because as a manifester, your aura is dense and repelling. It's like this very powerful punch that you pack. And so in early epochs of our development, when people were more superstitious, And not as aware, that powerful energy that the manifestors channeled felt like how many kings and queens say that they are like direct descendants of God or whatever. They used that propaganda to be able to kind of take control of situations and whole populations of people. So... If you're a manifester, yeah, you need to understand you have a very strong impact on people and that there is a pretty deep genetic imprint of fear around your presence because you've been kind of like a in, manifestors in the past have been these dominant forces. So in order for you to move through, the, through today's world with less resistance, because manifestors are not bad people, they're not tyrants necessarily, they're just as beautiful and soft angelic beings as any of us. But as a manifester with that strong impact aura, you need to be able to inform, to clear the way. So to let the people that you know that you're coming, because if people know that you're coming, they're going to want to help you create your manifestations. But if they don't know you or you haven't let them in on your plans or what you're going to do with all that power you have, it's going to create fear. And that fear becomes resistance because people want to almost stop you in your tracks when they don't know where the energy is flowing. And finally, we have the reflectors, and reflectors are only about 1% of the population. Mm -hmm. And reflectors have no definition in their chart, which means they have very little internal consistency. They don't have consistent energy. They don't have a repelling aura. They're not necessarily here to be a guide per se. They're kind of just a conduit for pure awareness. And because they don't have any of the consistent energy in their chart that the other types do, they can see everybody for who they are. They have an objectivity to them because they have no investment or involvement in the energy that everyone else is partaking in. So they're kind of standing outside of the game. And from that position, they can see who is really unique, who's really living their design, who's completely lost, how is a process doing? Like if let's say we're trying to start a new company or just start a new initiative of some kind, And there's problems involved but everyone's so mixed up in each other's energy they can't see the true root of that problem the reflector being outside of all that energy is going to be able to see oh it's clearly this person or this way of doing things that's putting a wrench in the whole operation so we call upon the reflectors as our sounding boards and our advisors the ones that can really see the whole situation and give us that feedback that we need to improve our endeavors. And it's really interesting because reflectors have a strategy of waiting 28 days to make a decision, a full lunar cycle, because the moon is the closest thing that they have as far as a consistent authority, because the moon is going to go through every gate in the wheel every 28 days, full to a new moon. And so that's almost like their personal litmus test, if something can actually remain in their life through a lunar cycle, then it's probably going to stick. And that's really kind of speaking to the problems that reflectors have, is that they can be wearing so many different types of energy at any given time, reflecting back other people's aura, that they can sometimes find themselves in a situation, for instance, where they go to the job interview. And for that day, there's a particular transit and that transit makes them seem like the star candidate for that job. They get the job. Two weeks later, we have a completely different configuration of transits they're reflecting. And the person that hired them is like, who is this? This is not the same person that we hired. And they lose out. And they face a lot of disappointment because they jump into things a little too fast without waiting for their lunar cycle. So Mm. they have a pretty unique and very patient process in this life.
1: Wow. So I'm curious, do we stay the same type of human design?
0: Like from birth to death? Well,
1: yeah, like I'm talking about like reincarnation. Am I going to come back as an emotional manifesting generator or am I going to come back as a reflector or something else?
0: According to the fundamental teachings of human design, that is not addressed. And so I say that disclaimer because A lot of people in the human design community are very stringent to how the the system was brought in. So if I didn't put that disclaimer, they might come after me. The human design community can be very kind of antagonistic, actually. But thats I don't consider myself a part of that community. I'm kind of like my own rogue cell here. But what I believe is that when we're looking at a chart and we're looking at the centers that are defined, we're seeing that's what you're here to master in this life. When we're looking at the centers that are undefined or completely open, we're looking at lessons or energies that you've already mastered or that you've already been through. Hmm. So let's say that you were a manifesting generator in one life and you really completed that journey. You might come back as a projector the next life. One rung up in terms of there's just less responsibility there energetically. And if you completed that projector journey to a T, then you might come back as a reflector with almost no imprint left just pure, a pure filter of consciousness. So I think we're kind of, as we move through our incarnations, we're actually letting energy go until we have almost none left. And that's when we don't have to come back anymore. When we used up all the energy.
1: Yeah. To me, that makes a lot more sense than you would be the same imprint the whole time. Yeah. So what you, what you just said was like, I, ha- I know that I have an open center over my heart space, or I believe that's what you had said, and that I have a love of humanity in there. So you were just saying that means that I've mastered that center?
0: You have, we call it the G Center, which is the center of gravity. And it's a center of direction, love, and identity. And it's a place where we establish the roles that we play in life. It's where we establish our direction, where we're going, the places that we belong in or feel belonging in, and as well as how we give and receive love through our life process. And so for you, you have every gate in that center undefined except one. So we could see that maybe you've mastered many roles in your previous experiences, that you've mastered many expressions of love. And that in this lifetime, you're really here to just finish up that process through this one gate 15, which is the love of humanity, also known as the gate of extremes. So it's also <laughs> the love of extremes and other people, extremes being highs and lows. It's really an energy, like I have this gate as well in my Jupiter placement. So I, I have a good understanding of it. And it's really knowing that in order for you to really feel satisfied with an experience, you have to go all the way with it. And you have to take it to an extreme. And then once you reach that extreme, you can move to the next thing. So it's going to help you in your process in a couple ways. Yes, it's about this overarching love for humanity as a whole. You may not like individuals that much, but you love the you know concept that we're all one being essentially. And then there's this journey that you're on to really allow yourself to flesh out and experience the most extremes of whatever modality or bread cookie crumb search that you're on or a discovery process that you're on. You're here to take things all the way. And then once you reach that point of satisfaction with those extremes, you can kind of move to the next extreme.
1: Right. I totally agree. And I, and it's funny that you also bring up that. I love the extremes of people because we talk about that on the podcast, like tell me your dark night of the soul and tell me how you got through it. Like, I want to hear that extreme circumstance. I mean, to me, that is a spiritually transformative experience and, and it's pivotal for sure. And that's why I like to focus on that on the podcast, because we I, th- I feel like a lot of us have that and we don't have the support that we need sometimes. And it's nice to have that. What are some more things? Oh, I remember you had said also that I, <laughs> which I definitely felt like I'm always kind of like ahead of the pack in terms of being a thought leader and like putting concepts together and being like, come on, let's go. Like already, this is the way to go. Like I've got the ideas. Let's go. We're going to, we're going to empower ourselves or we're going to up level. And that was in my chart, right?
0: Yeah. I see that coming through the strongest in your Neptune placement in gate 26. And this is an aspect of you that allows you to have the ability to kind of, Give people the confidence to jump through a portal into a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of believing, or just go on a journey, basically. And because you have it in Neptune in line six, both consciously and unconsciously, there's this capacity for you to kind of sell the whole process to somebody in a really compelling way and also help them to assuage their survival fears around acceptance, scarcity, things of those of that nature, and say, okay, just leave that at the door, hold my hand, and we're going to jump through this portal together. It's going to be great. And it actually helps people raise their value in life, raise their value of themselves. It allows them to connect to their mystical path of awakening. And it also allows them to connect to maybe even raising their material value on the material plane.
1: Wow. So, The other gate that I had that came up, I remember was the throat chakra. And that was, there was two, right? That were in there. And what what did you say about those? Because that's related to the podcast and speaking my wisdom, right?
0: Right. So you have my life. Yeah, you have gate 20, which is your personality sun. So that's like almost the architecture of your soul. It's really about expressing pure consciousness in the now. So it's an existential gate that allows us to channel all our energy into the moment. And that makes us very powerful manifestors. In my experience with gate 20, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like a gear shift. It's kind of like a valve where when we really work with this energy intentionally, we can actually increase the amount of consciousness that we can fit into our bodies in a given moment and increase our bandwidth, so to speak. And that's really playing into your incarnation cross, which is called the sleeping phoenix. And that pertains to the future of our species and how we're evolving. And the sleeping phoenix, I would say in this era, is really about building the perfect vessel for spirit. So that goes into your biohacking, that goes into all the modalities that you use that are really helping us create more space within our physical body, within our nervous system, To hold more of our spirit awareness. You also have gate 35, which is a gate of progress that actually allows us, like you were saying, to take those experiences of darkness, of obscurity, of shame, of experiences seemingly gone wrong, and transform them into a contribution to the collective that allows us all to move forward. Gate 35 is definitely a wormhole gate as well, that allows us to make quantum leaps from these dark night of the soul experiences into and like literally transmute that energy into the energy for progress for the whole collective. And so it's very much about making a collective contribution, one that is not only compelling, but that is practical as well.
1: I mean, it's exactly what the podcast is about. It's ridiculous. It? And I just lean into it, right? I If it doesn't feel right, I don't do it. So I started doing the podcast because it felt right, right? And, I, and it keeps feeling right. I mean, now there were times that I was like checking in to make sure that it was still right, right? Because that's what I do, right? I, I'm ready to move on if it's not the right thing. And I kept checking in and it has always been great. And it's really almost the, in my mind, like the perfect fit. And really actually, according to my human design, it really is. I mean, I help to make these shifts on the planet. I help to help people to heal. I help to see people to see that other people are going through the same thing they're going through. So they don't feel alone and create this community of transformation. And it's just, it's really fantastic. And you were talking about the sleeping Phoenix. So that's coming right around the corner where we're transitioning. I thought this was very interesting that we are going from like the, you say it, (laughs) We're going from the like 400 years of some era to this new era, like in three years.
0: Yeah. So since 1781, it's kind of, you can think of it as the whole globe has a certain human design imprint for a certain period of time. So for the past 400 years, we've been experiencing a global imprint called the cross of planning. The cross of planning being this motivation that's been in the background frequency to focus logically on attaining skills that will make us valued by our tribe and our tribe is really the material bonding force it's really like the bargain of money and employment and finding our way in the world through what we're good at so that's obviously what's been behind the industrial revolution it's all been all about logic and skills and the technological revolution and globalization All this has been fueled by this cross of planning imprint that says, find something to be good at, sell your skills, time and energy to the tribe. And that is where you receive your material support to survive. Now that's about to break down. And a lot of these systems like government, like even organized religion that we've built upon the architecture of the cross of planning are about to shift. We don't have to say it negatively in like a a cataclysmic way, because it's really not unnatural or wrong what's about to happen. It's just a shifting of the cycle. And so as we move into 2027, we're going to be experiencing the dawning of the cross of the sleeping phoenix, except it's not going to be sleeping anymore. The phoenix is going to wake up in 2027. And the implications of this is that our background frequency for a planet are going to shift into Individual survival, meaning that doing things our way in the way that satisfies us as unique individuals, individual spiritual awareness, which means we're going to have a huge shift in our capacity to connect to the truth that we're all one consciousness experiencing itself through different filters. And there is also a keynote of breaking down barriers to cooperation, breaking down barriers to intimacy breaking down barriers as a general theme that's going to allow us to reorganize how we do everything on this planet. It's going to be a lot more about small pods and clans of like-minded people working together to maintain their individual survival to actually, it's almost like you're going to be finding the people that are part of your soul group because there's that keynote of spiritual connection and spiritual awareness being the main guiding force of this transformation And there's this capacity for us to break down our seeming boundaries, our differences in belief, our differences in where we're coming from as far as our life experience, and to essentially survive the collapse of the structures that we've relied upon so heavily during this last period. What's another fascinating thing about the cross of the sleeping phoenix is that it's actually going to bring to earth a new Updated evolution of the human being. So we're known as far as like on an animal scientific level, we're known as Homo sapiens, and we're in the human bodies with these souls that may be from Earth or from other places, depending on what you identify with. As we move into 2027, there's going to be a new form of human being born through us, and we know we know these beings as raves. and that's kind of an abbreviation for rays of love. So we, as the transitory homo sapiens, we have to rely on, okay, pick up this mug. I lift it to my mouth. I have to do everything to make my survival continue. We're very much in the 3D. These new rave beings are going to be connected to to hive mind, to collective consciousness. So there's not going to be any separation from where they're standing between them and you. So when they're looking into your eyes, they're just seeing themselves. When they're looking into my eyes, they're still seeing themselves. There's no separation in their experience of their consciousness. And this is going to open up the the portal. It's just going to open up the grids to a new frequency coming onto our planet. That's all about the recognition that we're all one. And I believe that these beings are going to have the ability to engage in direct manifestation. So instead of me having to build a shack brick by brick and pick up the brick and put on the mortar, it's almost that they're going to be able to just think it and it is. And that's just my theoretical perspective. And that's just what I've been tapping into as somebody that does carry some of the rave signature in my um, cognition. And I think that they are going to be extremely resistant to conditioning, meaning that they won't be able to be deceived. They won't be able to be manipulated through the mind because they're not going to rely on their mind. They're going to rely on the interconnectedness of spirit, which they will actually experience through the solar plexus as their primary awareness center. So for them, the mind will be a thing of the past. And it's only through feeling the interconnection of all things that they'll navigate this world.
1: So cool. And as we spoke, there's a little bit of that signature in me. And then I feel like my son, there's a lot. Okay. And there, and in my son, there's a lot of that. And I see how, for instance, he will have an idea and then it's like everyone around him conspires to make that thing happen. Like he just stands there and it happens. Right. And I watch in awe of it because it, it feels effortless on our part and on his, and everyone's happy, especially him. Like we're happy because he's happy. So I see that energy a little bit like the wave of the first wave of it or whatever, the first flavor of it coming through. And that's pretty, pretty fun. They're very special kids. And I know he's a very special kid for sure. The way that he operates within the world, sometimes it is hard. It was hard for me too, to be here. Being so sensitive, I didn't understand a lot of things growing up and why people were mean to each other. And and he's getting into that age where kids are saying things and doing things that are mean and he just doesn't get it. He's just like, why would you do that? Why would you be mean? So he's just very pure. This is all so exciting and so interesting. What are the other levels? You had mentioned talking about food and like what serves your blueprints, but like what are some, why would you keep going through your human design down to that fifth level? Like what would you gain from each level? Just a quick synopsis.
0: Well, you have to really want it because it's a very patient process of transformation because what we're doing is we're realigning ourselves on literally the genetic level and the genetics or the DNA strand that you have in this life is I mean, it's a wormhole. It's pulling in interdimensional energy that broadcasts through your physical body and creates your reality. So as you clean up these and decondition these deeper layers of your genetics, you're working through generational trauma, you're working through mutations and distortions that go back many generations, and you're opening up the potential and the possibility for you to experience your consciousness in the most pure and clean way that you possibly can, which you would most likely be one of the first people that even ever have the, the potential to do this. So yeah, me, me, any one of us that we're going deeper into oh, the different layers okay. of their time. So yes, you, but anyone, <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> yes, you. And so, yeah, the four transformations really go into transforming the way that we nourish our brain systems, because our brain, our physical organ of the brain, if it's not nourished uniquely to our design, then we get this thing called fat brain, where the nourishment that we take in just kind of goes everywhere and it doesn't hone in and refine and cultivate our unique thinking hardware, right? And then that goes into putting the body in its right environment, because as you decondition the brain system, then you start to see those effects in the health of the body And then the body is going to want to be more supported by being in its correct environment, which then aligns you to your correct fractal trajectory, which means that it puts you back on track to actually live your destined life. What that then does is it aligns your cognition, the way that your mind thinks, the motivation behind how you think begins to realign to its proper process. And then that opens up your perspective, your view how you actually see the world uniquely in a way that only you can, and that you can on your life path, see the things that you came here to see. We're not all here to have the same experience. We're here to see from different perspectives and we're here to go out on an edge in that sense and really etch that out. And what that does is it allows us to bring that unique perspective, which is of immense value to the collective because it's so purely something that no one else has. And it really starts to operate as what we call outer authority. We all make decisions in our human design based on our inner authority, and that's what begins to align us to our process. But as we really um, take that process all the way, we kind of flower as the unique being we're meant to be or that we were born to be. And that allows us to have this very impactful outer authority and make a very original contribution to everyone else. That's why you would want to do it. It's just to like clean up all these different layers of our genetics. And that lets us have a very pure experience of who we are. And it may be nothing like who you thought you were when you started the process. And so what we say is seven years for a full deconditioning process. If you start this journey, you're going to see things changing right away, but you're really going to see a whole new being emerge after that seven year mark. Because that's when the cells, all the cells in the body have renewed themselves in that, mm-hmm. in that seven year cellular.
1: So, as somebody who's been doing this for 16 years and I've been evolving pretty hardcore, I would say the last seven years, I definitely can see that I'm a totally different person than I was seven years ago. Not totally, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I've released so much and upgraded so much and changed so much and gotten on the path and found who I am so deeply and gotten aligned what would I see within those layers, those four layers? How do you see that? I still don't understand this. Like you got, you got this information from my birthday. Would that still all be in there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: What would be in there would be how we could show you the signposts that will come up for you to see that you are making that progress in the proper order. So it's not that I would be able to tell you what you would see, because that's what you would tell us. You would show us the transformations just by your beingness. But if we went through like what we call your PHS, your primary health system, we would help you understand how to align yourself to how you eat. Because in human design, the dietary regimen is not so much about what you eat, but how you take in food is information basically food mm-hmm. is information for the body we would also be able to show you what your ideal environment style would be like and what you would really see is that you'd be naturally aligning to these environments kind of by nature it's not that you would be mentally being like okay here's the environment i need to go move there now <laughs> no it's more about following the strategy and authority faithfully for for a certain till it reaches a certain critical mass and then it kind of shifts you into the proper relationship to your dietary regimen, to your environment. And then that impacts the way that your psychology, your motivation of your mind, and that opens up your correct view. So that's kind of the beauty of it is that we can give you the guide, but ultimately only you can be the experiencer of those transformations and we see it through you.
1: Got it. This has been fantastic to talk to you about all this human design, your wealth of knowledge. Do you have anything else you want to share with us and tell us how we can find out more about you, connect with you, book a reading with you, all that?
0: Yeah. The last thing I want to add is that this knowledge is actually intended for the children because as adults, we kind of have to go through it to try and rewind ourselves to our defaults and move through that conditioning. But there's only so much we can do once we're at a certain point. But if kids are raised with the awareness of their design, raised with the awareness of how they make decisions properly, then they never have to take on as much of the conditioning that we had to. So that's that was something that Ra shared from the beginning, that this is actually designed for the future generations. As far as readings, you can find me at hdmaven.com, h-d-m-a-v-e-n.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Human Design Maven, and just reach out to me. You can send me a DM or you can find my contact info on my website and you can just send me an email and say, Hey, I also have a button on there for booking. And other than that, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to vibe with the fellow sleeping Phoenix. I'm one as well. <laughs> That's and awesome. Talk about these wonderful transformations that we're all exposed to right now.
1: I definitely think that this information is blowing up right now for intentional meaning. Like everybody's starting to talk about it. The buzz is out. It's sort of like things go in waves. Yoga was like a big thing that everyone was talking about. And then it kind of fizzled down. And these things come along because we need them at the time that we need them. And I feel like human design is just the next bit of information we need to, to jump off to to get through this apparently this new transition i mean that's 400 years that we're leaving behind that's a big transformation right there dissolving of all the ways of which we knew things worked and that's big i'm so grateful that you're out there there's lots of other people out there that also do human design as well feel free to reach out to them as well and thank you for being here
0: thank you